Welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we'll be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and a more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Coughlin. We look forward to meeting with you weekly, and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode, and until we meet again, be kind and do good. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Ridgewood Talks. I'm here with my co-host, Jordan Kaufman, and his little buddy, Hazel. We have quite a sophisticated operation here, don't we, Jordan? Do you want to tell us what our, our setup looks like? That's what it's all about, right? It's regular people in Ridgewood talking about regular local town issues. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we've got uh, my eight-month-old here who is co-producing this entire <laughs> podcast. So if you hear any weird sounds or bleeps or edits, it's clearly a professional error. That's perfectly okay. Hey, baby girl. So yeah, we have a lot of things going on. I've got my dog going a little wild and our guest has informed us that she has some uh, workers coming in out of her house. So everybody who's listening, just feel right at home with us. You know, we're just, uh, just imagine us being in your living room and having a casual conversation about things that matter here in Ridgewood. Um, this guest that we have today, I'm really proud to have her on our show. Mary McCallie is a longtime Ridgewood resident, and she is a very valued community volunteer. Mary's been involved with the Ridgewood Education Foundation for many years. Um, And those of you who don't know, the Ridgewood Education Foundation is an independent organization, independent of the school district. And their mission is to collaborate with the district administration and the home and school associations and the Board of Education to enhance education in Ridgewood Public Schools. Mary has also been the very involved with the home and school associations at her home schools, which were Ridge, George Washington Middle School, and Ridgewood High School. Um, Mary's now the president of Federated Home and School Association. So welcome, Mary, and thank you so much for being here. First off, let's just kick this thing off by finding out more about you. When did you move here? Where did you move from? How many kids? Well, we know that you have three kids. Um, tell us all about you and your family. So, well, thank you very much for having me. And that was quite the uh, illustrious introduction. Thank you very much. Um, I'm, I'm humbled. So my family and I, we moved here in 2005. At the time, I only had two kids, uh, my two boys. They were just turning two and four at that time. So we've been here for 17 years. And one of the primary reasons we moved to Ridgewood was because of the school system. And the sense of community that we certainly, you know, found here. So we have been here for 17 years. Uh, Since that time, I've added to the family. I have my baby girl. My baby girl is now a freshman at the high school. And my boys are both in college now. So that's us. That's our family. We are kids very involved in the schools and sports, and we're happy to be here. Well, let's talk now about the Home and School Association. It's interesting to note that some of the people that move here, well, all of us that move here, 
you know, we're, we're not really attuned until our kids get to school that there are volunteer organizations that really are the backbone of our community. And the Home and School Association is certainly one of them. So tell us a little bit about what the Home and School Association does and what the goals are and what you accomplish in any given. So every school has a home and school association, and we refer to them as the HSAs, and they are all individual 501c3 nonprofit corporations. They have bylaws, and I always said it was, you know, they run like a business. They have mission statements, and the mission statements are pretty much all the same, which is that the mission of the HSA is to enhance communication and relationships between the administration and the parents and to enhance the educational experience of the kids at each school. So what that looks like depends on the individual school. So it looks very different at the elementary level than it does at the middle school level or the high school level. And then federated HSA, I like to say is the HSA of the HSAs. Every president of the HSA sits on the federated board and we come together once a month and we then talk directly to the superintendent of schools and the board of ed to give each of the presidents a sense of the wider community and what the issues are affecting the wider community and also to serve as a resource for each individual HSA. Because being an HSA president or executive board member is a lot of work a lot of fun, but you need a lot of support. A lot of the same issues come up every year. And if you've been doing it a long time, you can often help somebody who's, you know, brand new to the process. Right. And one of the things that I really admire about the home and school associations and particularly the federated piece of it, because by the time people get into federated, they they have the rhythm of the room down and they know how to execute on certain initiatives. And it's very efficient at the federated level. You know, the HSA, the, the regular home home and school associations at every campus, they're also very efficient. But I think the thing that people miss out on is that they don't really understand that the home and school association is a platform for all parents to become involved in. And everybody has some sort of talent that they can lend to the home and association. So just share with us some of the things that typical home and school association is planning on accomplishing this school season. Okay. So I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that because one of the most important things that people need to understand is that you become a parent or a guardian becomes a member of a home and school association by virtue of having a child in the school. You know, they collect dues every year and the dues really cover the directory, which is how, especially when your kids are in elementary school, how you find Johnny's parents to set up a play date or whatever that is. You do not have to pay your dues to be a member of the HSA. So every parent has a right and is a member of the HSA and every parent is welcome to come to the meetings. They're all public meetings. The minutes are published after the meeting so that you can keep apprised of what's going on. And they're all welcome to contribute, like you said, their talent and their time to the HSA's mission. So a typical HSA, every HSA has a budget and fundraising is an important part of the HSA because the funds that get brought in through the HSA are typically allow for the schools to provide experiences or enhancements that, you know, simply aren't in the regular budget. Uh, Most recently, I was the president of the RHS HSA, okay? And we would raise 
funds through dues and other ways. And then, for example, in the beginning of the school year at the high school, they have a club fair and a welcome back barbecue, which is, is a newer thing that they started, you know, to bring everybody back after the pandemic. And we supported that the HSA gave the money to support that barbecue and that club fair so that every kid could attend, regardless of whether or not they could afford to pay whatever it was for the hamburgers and the hot dogs. So that was an experience, community building experience and an experience for each of the kids that was funded by the HSA. At the high school level, they also fund um, teacher appreciation breakfasts and things like that because our staff is incredibly hardworking at all the schools and all the schools do this. So they fund things like that. At the elementary schools and like at, at the middle schools, you know, typically they have smaller fundraisers, like they'll have a Frosty Friday where your kid brings a dollar and they get a popsicle. You know, they all have budgets and their budgets are not insignificant. I don't know the specific numbers, but I think we had like a $70,000 budget when I was the elementary, the president of Ridge. A couple of the elementary schools will do an annual auction or a major fundraiser. And then the principal will say, okay, I have a wish list. Each of the principals have a wish list of things they need to do, and they will enhance or uh, refresh classroom libraries, or they will buy furniture for the library or smart boards or whatever it is that the schools have a need for at that time. The wish list comes from the principal and the community votes on it. It's um, what comes from what the school needs, which is determined usually by the administration. Right. And then there's some other projects that I know, uh, for example, amphitheater at uh, Orchard. Yes. Playground, the Castle Playground at Ridge. Yes. There's a sign in front of GW, right? With that right. granite, that granite sign that was paid for by the GW HSA. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, you know, it depends on what the need is there. So, yeah, there have been some basically capital projects. I mean, I think they did the playground at Travel a couple of years ago. They did it at Willard a couple of years ago. So, yeah, there's the HSAs are definitely an important source of funds for the schools and really do contribute substantially to the experience that our kids have at each school. That's part of it. It's not just about money. And I think it's important to understand that because the HSAs are the venue through which the parents get into the schools. And I have to say that it's a great opportunity for parent volunteers to do because not only do you get to spend that time with kids other than your kids and the kids that you're, you know, you're friends with, but you also get to know the administration and the teachers on a completely different level. And I think that leads to really good things. I do too. I think that getting a feel for the environment in your child's school, there's nothing better than that because then you can have a real relationship with your child when they get home from school and when they explain things that happen to in during their day, you can visualize it because yeah. you're inside the school. And that's what I love so much about our school district is that we really encourage participation from parents. And even though you you mentioned all of the activities and the fun fundraising events um, that are had there, you know, there are a lot of other ways that parents can contribute too. For example, you know, just being on the executive board, you know, like you mentioned, the budgets are pretty substantial. And so having somebody that has a, a background in accounting is really helpful. You know, having a background in technology, having a background in construction is sometimes very helpful when there's other projects. Again, you know, some of those projects that are built for our children, it's 
there isn't a skill set that is not wanted or needed in the home and school association arena. Would you agree with that? 100%. That was very well said. Absolutely. Mary, one of the questions I think there's kind of been a renewed interest in board of education meetings. And now that they're hybrid and they're on Zoom, kind of everyone's logging in and listening to those. I hope you, you could maybe shed some light on this. How does the HSA work with the board of ed? And when does someone, you know, go to the HSA and, and take their question there? Should they take their question there first before going to the board of ed? How do you view that relationship between board of ed and HSA as well as parent to those two organizations? I'm glad you asked that question because that was kind of the third piece of the HSA that I really wanted to touch on today. So um, at every federated meeting, the superintendent of schools comes and speaks with us and a board of ed member, we have a board of ed liaison, um, which is Mike Lembo. And um, if he's not available to come, then past couple of meetings, Hanju Kwok, the president of the board of ed has come and sat with us and they will tell us, you know, kind of the updates, what's going on. But also they sit there and they answer our questions as to, well, okay, so what's going on? You know, let's let's cut to the chase. One of the big issues in Ridgewood right now is uh, we need a new superintendent, right? So there's a superintendent cert. So people have questions about that. And um, they ask those questions directly to the Board of Ed. And there's an ongoing dialogue and suggestions are made. And people are educated on both sides. And that's a really important part of the HSA function. That the larger district-wide issues really happen at the federated board meetings, which is once a month. So that's kind of the general overview of it. In terms of what's the appropriate way to reach the board of ed or if a, if a parent has a question. I always say one of the primary, primary purposes of the HSA is we need to serve as a conduit of communication between either administration or the Board of Ed and the parents for district-wide general issues. If a parent has a specific issue with his or her child, that has to go first to the teacher, then to the, you know, uh, at that point, then it gets involved either with supervisors or the principal. And then, you know, that's really where specific issues regarding a specific child or a family need to be addressed because those are really factually specific questions. When you get to the question of whether there are, you know, general board policy questions, each board of ed meeting, and, and I'm not the expert on what the protocol is here, but um, I've watched them for a long time, right? So there's public comment. And, you know, anyone is welcome to go and speak to public comment and, you know, make a comment or, or raise a question as to what's going on generally in the district. That's fine. The rules actually of the Board of Ed are that they're not really supposed to respond at that time. OK, um, if there are questions and concerns, we've always encouraged the community to go to your HSA president and then your HSA president at the federated meeting says, listen, I'm hearing. I'll give you an example. There's been a lot of discussion at Board of Ed meetings about the age shortage. Right. And so that was a very big issue, particularly at the elementary level and also for the um, special ed community. So those presidents have come to the meetings and said, our community is concerned about this. You know, are there enough aides? Are you paying the aides enough? And a lot of this is, is stuff that's been heard at the general board of ed meetings, but it becomes more conversational at federated. And so we always encourage parents to bring that through the HSA because then we have that direct conversation. And parents get more support. I mean, that's really the key. If parents have an issue 
with their student or anything that goes on at the campus, bringing it to the Board of Ed, you're still going to feel isolated bringing it to the Board of Ed. If you bring it to your local home and school association, it's likely that somebody in that room is experiencing the same thing and you can get support that you need. You can get direction on how to move forward with whatever challenge it is. Or in other words, you can bring ideas to the Home and School Association to make the district and your school campus even better, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, the thing is, the one thing that the HSAs can't do, okay, and, and I always make sure that I, I have to say this is we can we can uh, brainstorm ideas, we can make suggestions, and absolutely we're here to support each other and the community as best we can. We can't always solve the problems, right? So the HSA doesn't run the schools. My understanding, and again, you know, you'd have to look at what the rules are, is that the Board of Ed doesn't run the schools. The Board of Ed is supposed to make sure that the schools are run well and efficiently, but it's the district administration that runs the schools. So there might be a complaint or a concern about anything that's going on at the schools and parent involvement and suggestions and concerns are absolutely belong at the HSA meeting. They belong at the federated meetings and they need to, you know, then get to the higher level so that there can be discussions. But what we can't do is necessarily solve the problems. We can just let them know. But I think that being a means of communication between, I mean, we have a lot of families in this district. We are the largest school district in Bergen County. Uh, we have a huge high school. There's a lot of people that have a lot of concerns and, and you know, people don't always have the time to, to reach out and do individual things. I'm not talking about Board of Ed people, I'm talking about parents. So we provide that service of bringing it all there and having that conversation and being the, the conduit for communication. I think that's really important for oh, us. Oh, it's key. Communication yeah. is key for everything. And I think the experience that we had with our children in the Ridgewood Public School District is not only were the Home and School Association members open to us being an active, playing an active role in that um, the administrators at each school, the teachers, all the way up to the superintendent, have they've always been um, open and eager to hear from parents on how they can make and how the district can be better. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I find I have always found that the district teachers, staff, administration, board of ed, very responsive. Nothing is perfect. And so there's always going to be a concern that someone has one way or the other. And sometimes what I've learned, and I think people sometimes forget, is that sometimes the response to your question or your concern is not what you want to hear, okay? <laughs> and that is unfortunate. And, you know, you can maybe think, well, you're not answering my question. Well, yeah, they are. They're addressing your question. It's just not necessarily what you want to hear. And, and that's life. Right. And also, I think the other thing to remember, too, is, you know, I hear a lot. I, I watch some of the meetings and people will ask a question and they'll get an answer at the board level that will just simply not allow board members to disclose. Well, exactly. For example, Thank you. personnel issues. OK, or or something like that. You know, there are things they cannot discuss. They cannot discuss publicly. And the other thing and you kind of touched on it, which. And this is something that I learned as a function of being on the HSA is that 
nothing is ever as simple as it seems, okay? Uh, public schools, they're public entities. There are so many rules, regulations, statutes, requirements that they have to comply with that it makes my head spin to try to figure all that out. I'll give you an example. A um, couple of years ago, 2020, my son was uh, a graduate in 2020 and right in the middle of pandemic and everyone's freaking out. Are we going to have a graduation or not? Tom Gorman and Dan Fishbein, who at that time was the superintendent of schools and the principal of Ridgewood High School, sent out, I kid you not, no less than eight letters, one day, two in a row, changing what the what the graduation was going to look like based on the constantly changing directives from Governor Murphy, okay? Nobody knew what was going on, but there were certain things that, you know, the school had to comply with, which what was permitted or what wasn't. It was, well, why can't we do an outside graduation and put them, you know, well, it seemed very easy, but the reality was that there were things that they simply had to comply with that were changing on a hourly basis that they constantly had to respond to. It got really complicated. That that's a that's an extreme example, but that is happening all the time. If you're listening to the board of ed meetings over long periods of time, you will find that the standards for any given curriculum change regularly. I think the science standards have changed I think three times since my kids have been in school. The approach to math has changed. Um, and I'm not even talking about judgment calls. I'm talking about requirements. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, Governor Christie put a lot of uh, requirements on, for example, HIV and bullying, changing the definition of bullying, adding requirements. That stuff comes down sometimes without any notice at all. Um, and then they have to respond to that and comply with it. So what seems like a simple question between neighbors isn't, because you're talking about a, a large organization that has to live within the constructs, the bureaucracy, if you'll have it, of the state. Going to the HIB, which is harassment, intimidation, and bullying, that legislation that came down, the principal at one of my child's schools did a mock-up of what would happen if a child reported one of the HIV incidents and it would take 21 hours of time for a teacher or an administrator to file just the preliminary paperwork to have an incident legally recorded. So that takes up a tremendous amount of time that teachers will have to take away from their curriculum and teaching time. It takes a tremendous amount of time for administrators to process all of that. So, you know, while HIV incidents should be taken seriously, um, they also have to filter through, like, how serious is this accusation? Um, I'm going to throw a little, little curveball question in there. I'm on the board of West Bergen Mental Health Care, obviously on the heels of COVID. And this was really a, probably an uh, underappreciated issue before COVID, but got a lot of highlight was the mental health issues that kids are facing in schools. And we obviously hear reporting that says things about how far children have fallen behind as a result of you know, having uh, at home schooling and, and things like that, not the regular programming. How has the HSA been involved in, in either navigating those issues? I think what you were talking about with how they uh, play a role between some of the bureaucracy and kind of the more at drop off and pick up 
conversations or kids sports conversations, how it can play a better role. How has it played a role in some of these other issues which are affecting us nationally that also people are reading in the headlines and, and probably thinking about and talking about? So I'm really glad you asked that question because um, so on a, on a general level, there has been a lot of discussion at Federated in the past couple, actually throughout the entire pandemic, right? About what are we doing to address the mental health issues of the kids, okay? So going back to when we were during the pandemic, when we were all remote, I was that, that was when I was uh, president of the HSA at, at the high school, sorry. And I was on the pandemic resource committee, which was mandated by the governor. And it was, you had a, rep, you had a parent representative, you had teacher representatives, uh, every, you know, a whole bunch of people from the high school, including a mental health representative to talk about the different issues that were affecting, you know, the different populations in the school. And mental health was a huge part of that. And, you know, the HSA's role in that was People were sending questions to me and raising concerns to me. And I was raising it in this very small group talking about, okay, you know, here's what people are concerned about. They're concerned about the kids that are becoming adverse to going to school when they went back to school, right? There were kids who didn't want to, didn't want to go to school. There were kids who were, uh, you know, really suffering from the lack of socialization. And that was, those were issues that the, the administrators and the teachers knew about, but because I could bring the parent perspective, you know, it kind of gave a fuller picture and uh, they were very responsive. Uh, Lauren DePinto and Kevin Feely, Kevin Feely's the crisis counselor and Lauren DePinto was director of the mental health and wellness at the time for the district. She was always on those calls and they were responding to that by instituting programs. That was part of it. On a more recent level, um, every year Federated, so Federated is more organizational and, um, as I said, you know, really serves as the conduit of communication and support for all the HSAs, but we do have one fundraising event a year, and we host the Wizards game, which a lot of people know about and is very, very popular, and we take that money, and then we, we donate it to the district, you know, in a way that touches as many kids as possible. And there's we, meaning Todd Rothman and Amy Gill ran it, um, did an incredible job last year. And um, we have a, a larger pot of money than we normally do. We recently voted that this year we would dedicate that towards a mental health initiative. Kids are suffering. I, I wanna add two things if I can. Um, the first is, you know, you were talking about family support. And I wanna make sure that people know that the learning services HSA, which is an HSA that is not, specific to one school, but it, it deals with every kid who has learning service, who needs learning services. So anyone who would be have an IEP or um, that roster of parents cannot be published because of privacy concerns, but anybody who has a child who needs learning services or is concerned that they might need those can reach out to the executive board of the presidents of the learning services HSA and get the support that they need. So I think that's really important. You know, federated, the idea is that everyone in our community is covered every way. I mean, we have representatives from the RED program, which are the babies that go to the, the preschool. So we have everybody at the federated table. So that's important. And the other thing that uh, kind of switching gears a little bit is that I, I wanna give a shout out to the Board of Ed and the district because I know that there's a lot of challenging issues that are facing Ridgewood as we come out of the pandemic, as we are in the middle of a superintendent search. Um, there's a lot of initiatives that are out there. 
the Board of Ed and Hanji Kwok has come to our meetings, okay, and the other members of the Board of Ed as well, Sheila Brogan, Sarah Donnie, they are really open to working with Federated and the parents collaboratively. There is a very different feel when that conversation is going on in a smaller meeting at Federated than it is when you're at the podium of public comment. And so I'm really optimistic that we can continue to work that way and make everybody feel heard. I think that's really, really important. Our, you know, things feel divisive sometimes. I'm not just talking about in our little community, I'm saying generally, I think we all acknowledge that. And I think the point of any volunteer in any organization, but the HSAs is to try to bridge that gap. Yeah, um, and that's I really to, the theme. Yeah, that is the theme. And I have to tell you, I'm really proud of the fact that everybody on the federated board and the people we work with um, on the other side, you know, the administrators and the, and the board of ed members, we all agree on that. Well, Mary, I think, you know, I have to say that's in large part to your leadership. I don't know about no, that. it's true. Uh, you and, and all of the ways that you have contributed not only to the Home and School Associations, to Federated Home and School Association and the Ridgewood Education Foundation, your leadership has been stellar. You have created new programs and new fundraisers like the Oktoberfest. I understand that you were. <laughs> I was part of that, but it was, that was, that was, yeah, there were other, Erin Pruitt, actually, that was her brainchild, but yeah. Oh, well, it was, it's a great better. event. It's a lot a of super, fun. It is a really great event. And, and, you know, you're talking now about, you know, maybe we're, we're going through a little bit of a contentious time in our community simply because it's election season, right? And that's, it happens every time there's an election. It doesn't matter at what level, if, whether it's local, county, state, or federal, um, there's going to be some differing opinions, but there are passionate people who want nothing more than to, to serve the greater good. And so with that, let me ask you, and I know I'm putting you a little bit on the spot, would you ever consider running for school board? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeannie, I don't know. It's certainly very, very interesting. You definitely put me on spot, and I cannot answer that question. I, I did put you on the move. spot. Smart move, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a I veteran mean, I, move right there. Dodge. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You are too kind. You've said two kind things. It, it, everybody that I've been involved in. I mean, I'm not on the board of the Education Foundation anymore either. Paul McCarthy has been heading it up. But there are a lot of people in this community who work together and do a lot. So thank you for the kind things you said. But it's truly a joint effort, everybody. Well, I agree. We are so fortunate live in a community where people serve and it's just crazy. I always say it all the time. I said, if every volunteer sat down for one day in Ridgewood, everything would stop because we're <laughs> run by volunteers and yeah. all, from our, you know, all of our elected officials on. Yeah. Down, it's really an amazing place that we live. So with that, I just want to say thank you for your dedication and your commitment to our schools and our community. You are such a treasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the feeling is mutual. And thank you both for the time and the effort you put into this. I think this is quite the service that you're providing so that people know what's going on. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you so thank much. You and so if somebody has a question, just to close this off, if somebody has a question, who should they contact? Okay. So the first thing to do is you would you go to the, uh, the district website, Ridgewood Public Schools, and there's a tab for parents. And under that, they have HSAs and they'll have 
each individual HSA has a, has a page on that and Federated has a page. And on that, you'll have the contact information for me and the other people on the executive board. If it's more, if it's less of a general district question and more of a specific question, then you would contact the president uh, or someone on the executive board of your HSA. All that information is there. And people are, you know, they understand when they take the job that they're there to be, to answer the questions and be the repository for all the concerns. Wonderful. Thank you again so much for being here. We really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for having me. Oh man, Jordan, what a great guest. I really, really appreciated a lot of what everything that Mary had to say. As a matter of fact, my biggest takeaway from this interview was that volunteerism in our community is alive and well. We are unbelievably blessed to have so many people with the heart that Mary has out there working for the benefit of our kids and the benefit of our entire school district. In fact, that touches every single taxpayer in our community. So we're really, really lucky to have people like Mary, really lucky to have all the wonderful volunteers. And as Mary mentioned, you know, the board of ed members, the village council members, they are all volunteers. This entire community is run by volunteers and boy, aren't we lucky. What was your takeaway, Jordan? I agree hundred percent. I think highlighting that all the individuals that we're interacting with at the town level, unless they're hired staff, a lot of this is volunteers. And as you've said, without the volunteers, the village stops running. And that's 100% true. The other big takeaway for me, and this has been true with really my constituents, families that have kids in the school system, especially young kids like I have, where during COVID, we were in kindergarten, and we were basically sitting next to our child while they went to school. So we really had our nose shoved in what the education process is, and everyone's got an opinion about what it is. I used to jump on the train, come home. Great. Someone took care of my kid for part of the day. Then it turned into I was forced into the classroom. So it changed a little bit of the perspective, and this has led to a lot of anxieties, a lot of emotions being turned towards what the education process is. And I see people taking it straight from the kitchen table to the board of ed. And I think one of the things that Mary highlighted is instead of waiting with all that anxiety or emotion building before you go and and do your public comments at the board of ed, to stop at HSA in between, it's, a, it's an organization which is working directly with the Board of Ed, and they become a more comfortable talking spot. Try your conversation out there and see maybe they're already talking about an HSA meeting. I think it was very important. I did not realize that they were publishing their minutes. So we can go to the HSA website, we can look at the minutes, we can see what issues they're addressing and what issues they're not. And this can hopefully help us formulate better arguments when we do want to go uh, talk to other folks or take it to the Board of Ed or whatever the next step is that's appropriate. The HSA can help us figure that out. Right. And I think that the point that is so well taken is that HSA can actually provide solutions. Whereas if you go to the Board of Ed, the Board of Ed members, they are bound by legal uh, reasons that they are not able to communicate directly with parents as they come up to the podium. So if parents want to have a dialogue, 
the best place to go first and foremost is the Home and School Association. And if their challenge is not addressed there, then the next step is to go to their school principal. And then finally, if it isn't accomplished, uh, to, to head over to the Board of Education. But anyway, so Jordan, I'm so thrilled that you are co-hosting this initiative with me. I think it's really important. I know we're not professionals. We're just two ordinary people living in our community that believe that communication is key. Information is key. I'm proud to be able to bring this information to our community. And I think the other thing that we both believe is incredibly important in our community and in our lives is to continue to do good and to continue to be kind. So go out there and do that, everybody. And until we meet again, thanks so much for tuning in. See you later, bud. Thanks, guys.